Welcome to the Regen Brands Podcast. This is a place for consumers, operators, and investors to learn about the consumer brands supporting regenerative agriculture and how they're changing the world. This is your host, Kyle, joined by my co-host, AC, who's going to take us into the episode. On this episode, we have Ashley Walsh, who is the founder and president of Pocono Organics. Pocono Organics is supporting regenerative agriculture with their 380-acre regenerative organic certified farm, producing fruits, vegetables, mushrooms, microgreens, and a myriad of hemp-based CPG products. In this episode, we learn about Ashley's journey with gastroparesis that inspired the farm, their journey at the farm into the myriad of enterprises they are running on site, and their growing CBD-infused CPG lineup that they are currently scaling. We touched it all on this one, folks, from CBD-infused marshmallows to on-farm regenerative research trials to NASCAR fans buying more regenerative products. We learned and laughed a lot, and we hope you will too. Let's go. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Regen Brands Podcast. Super fired up today to have our friend Ashley from Pocono Organics joining us. So welcome, Ashley. Thanks for having me, guys. Super, super pumped. Um, I was lucky enough to connect with some members of you and your team a few months back to talk about some B2B stuff. I didn't even realize at the time how much branded product Pocono had. So I'm really excited to kind of dig in and learn more and share that story with our audience. Um, but before we get too deep into the origin story, give us a quick high level, like what sort of products does Pocono Organics produce? Where can people find your stuff? And you can talk about the branded side and just like the general farm vegetables and the farm stand. Like just give us the whole lay of the land real quick. Absolutely. So we're a very diverse brand. You know, we have a lot of different vegetables and herbs that we sell to local stores and and restaurants. Uh, But our big national side product line is all of our CBD products. So everything from uh, topicals to uh, crazy edible infusions made by (laughs) Chef Lindsay McLean, who runs our food innovation lab. And, um, and we do a lot of fun stuff on, on site. We do all of our formulation here. So we get to try out different recipes that we want to play around with. We make them and we sell them at our market to see how the public likes it. And if they do, then we, then we go national with them from there. So it's a good little test you know test market that we have here on site to see what people like but everything from seltzers and gummies and nanoparticle homemade marshmallows um the topicals (laughs) and then our um our flagship products product line is the nanoparticle collection so we have a a tincture a nanoparticle bath bomb as well as a monk fruit um infused sugar that could be added to coffee smoothies mocktails things like that and that's definitely been um our most successful product line is the the nanoparticle wow super cool uh but before we go any further we have to talk about the marshmallow Um, (laughs) (laughs) i knew this was coming yeah you know anthony and i both got we got you know ashley was kind enough to send us a little care package prior to so we could familiarize ourselves with the brand and the products and Anthony and I were texting back and forth. We're like, do you get a marshmallow? <laughs> and so I, I've got to, I've got to understand like why the marshmallow. I, I was under the impression there must be a bonfire somewhere on site and somebody's making s'mores. And I just need to know whether or not that's like the real story. So we're in the Pocono mountains. We're on the plateau of yeah. the Pocono mountains. So lots of campfires all around. So we always sell little s'mores kits 
with a uh, really great organic chocolate and the and the graham crackers and the stick, everything ready to go. And then yeah. uh, we decided to infuse it with the nanoparticle CBD and have an adult version as well. So there's 50 milligrams in that homemade marshmallow. I mean, they're so delicious. Wow. Our, our I innovation slept good. Team. I slept good after that marshmallow. <laughs> <laughs> and it hits you so much faster with the nanoparticle, yeah. you know? it's Nanoparticle yeah. makes it water-soluble. So it hits you a lot faster. It doesn't have to go through that digestion. So we have a lot of fun mm. making things like that that are, that are different, that people like our regular products. So, hey, let's add CBD to it. Mm, well, I, I can't really wait to cool. see that in REI one day, eventually. <laughs> um, <laughs> but we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, yeah. AC, go ahead. Kick, kick, us, kick us off. Take us down the road. Yeah. No, Ashley definitely knows how to treat her podcast hosts. Uh, that was really, really kind. And we appreciate the, the care package. And, you know, it's really interesting to see all the various things that uh, hemp can, can be involved in. And y'all are doing even more than hemp, like in the farm operation. But, you know, similar to Kyle and I, uh, Ashley, I know this all stems from a health issue that you had, right? So just take us kind of back in time to that personal health journey that you had and how that turned into Pocono Organics. Absolutely. And it's, it's funny how adversity sometimes can create opportunity, right? And you never mm. imagine mm. it'll yeah. end up where, where you are down the road. But um, uh, when I was about 30, I got diagnosed with gastroparesis, which is a paralyzed stomach. Mm. So I can't digest wow. a lot of fruits, vegetables and meats like, like you guys do. So I have to eat like a toddler, puree, um, smoothies, juice, soups, all those um, different wow. forms for me to be able to digest and get my nutrients. Um, I can load up on carbs to make myself feel full, but you know, I need the, the nutrients in there. So I got to the end of the road. It took me a long time to get diagnosed and they just wanted to cut out parts of my stomach and give me feeding tubes. Obviously not the path I wanted to go down turning yeah. 30. You know, I wanted to start a family and, and not, not go down that road. So I started working with new doctors and I adopted organic lifestyle and just switching over everything in my life, um, every bite of food I was taking to personal care products, plant-based supplements, everything that I could to just be more non-toxic and reduce the chemical mm. load in my body. And by using food as medicine and reducing my chemical exposure, I improved my quality of life. Like it was undeniable results that I went from being sick five days a week to five days a month and um, ended up having like a nine and a half pound baby. I'm like five feet tall and <laughs> 120 pounds. I don't know why the little girls end up having the gigantic babies, but, um, but it just changed my whole life. So that was back in like 2015 that we had the concept for the farm. Uh, we live in the Pocono mountains on the, the plateau of the mountain. It's a food desert here. Most people think of mm. food deserts as inner cities, but rural communities are the same way. You know, we have to drive mm. 45 minutes to an hour to get to a, uh, a Whole Foods or somewhere with a decent organic selection. So Ashley, for, for people that aren't familiar with the Poconos, describe where that is geographically. And a lot of people might be familiar because of the NASCAR race that occurs there, but just Tell, like, where is that? It's obviously mountains, yeah. it's rural, but describe that a little bit more for people. So we're about 90 miles west of New York City and 90 miles north of Philadelphia. 
Um, mm. So I'm sure if, if you're a Seinfeld fan, you've heard them say, we're going to the Poconos for the weekend. Um, mm-hmm. So big mm. ski resort towns, a lot of lakes, hiking, just beautiful yeah. mountains and still very pristine and undeveloped. So, um, mm. but we have one, one third of the U S population lives within a five hour drive of us. So there's a lot of people wow. nearby wow. that can get to the Poconos. Isn't that crazy? Wow. That so is wild. My, my Pocono story is my mom's side <laughs> family reunion was there when I was a little kid. So that's my, that's my Poconos tie in is I've been there for one family reunion one time. Beautiful place. It is beautiful. It is beautiful. And it's, it's great to be up here with fresh air, you know, mountain fresh air. And, uh, and we don't have a lot of farms around us, so we don't have to worry about mm. drift and a lot of other concerns, which is nice. Mm. So, the, where where did the catalyst come from? Personal health journey, changing lifestyle to I'm going to start a farm. Like where? What was the what was the catalyst there? So I'm the third generation of our our family businesses, and uh, and one of those being um, Pocono Raceway. My family owns Pocono Raceway, so we have a mm-hmm. lot of land here around the racetrack, and um, there's a 50 acre parcel that's sitting here, and and I asked them if I could do a small community farm. They wow. gave me their blessing, and I had no idea how to farm at all. So I cold <laughs> called. <laughs> no idea at all. Uh, I've learned a lot over the last ten years, yeah. but uh, I I just cold called Rodale. Um, Rodale Institute mm. is about forty five minutes south of us, and I had nice. been following them through my health journey of really understanding and learning from them of how broken the food system is. You know, when you start yeah. scratching that itch and going from Oh, everything in the grocery store is safe, right? Like we all Mm. think. And then you start scratching that and you're like, wow, no, it's not at all. Like, what are we doing? And and until like something happens to you or family member, you know, you kind of don't wake up to it. So, Mm -hmm. um, so they answered my phone call, Rodale, and we had a meeting and, and they, listen to my crazy idea and partnered with us. So from day one, we've been a a satellite research farm for Rodale. Um, This is our fifth season of research and production. Um, We became a regional resource center for them last year, which is amazing. There's only five in the whole world. And uh, we have two PhD scientists in an onsite lab and increased our research projects from two or three a year to now 12 annual research projects a year. Wow. It's incredible. Yeah. And tell, tell the audience, actually everything you're growing on the farm, all the different commodities. <laughs> so we're very, very diverse. So every kind of vegetable and herb really that you can imagine. And then our three big specialty programs is hemp, mushrooms, and microgreens. Those are our mm. three big specialty programs that we do. But I mean, everything from tomatoes and broccoli to corn in our greenhouses so we get the first corn of the season um wow. but a little bit of everything really diverse wow. and uh, out of curiosity when did regenerative become a part of the conversation I, I would imagine it was when you contacted rodale and they're like hey we, we want to you know were they sort of leading the regenerative charge and educating you on that front or like when did that become part of the conversation it was right mm. when we first started talking to them they kind of started talking about the regenerative organic pilot that was happening with those original 20 mm. farms where they were mm. doing the pilot to kind of figure out the uh the regulations and, and guidelines for everyone so as soon as the pilot was over you know i said hey i i want to be involved and this is how 
I want to yeah. operate from day one. So from day one, Rodale helped us set up everything here um, to the regenerative organic standard and, and kept us on track. We had uh, a farm manager from Rodale here for the first three years, getting everything you know set up with us and training all of, uh, all of us to steer the ship. Wow. Awesome. I, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about this conversation and there are like five or seven different like roads I want to go down here. <laughs> yeah, um, same. <laughs> yeah. So I'm having a hard time figuring out like which one I want to go down next, but I guess let's, <laughs> let's stick to regenerative right now. I do, I do really want to talk about the research studies that you mentioned earlier, but let's start with more mm. of like the on the ground practices. So like, what does the, the practices look like today on the Pocono farm from like a rotation perspective or a biodiversity perspective? You mentioned there's all sorts of things going on at the same time. Just walk us through what that looks like. Definitely diversity is is number one. Um, I remember the first year when Jeff Catch from Rodale came up, I was like, there's so many songbirds and butterflies all of a sudden in this field He's because you're bringing back, you know, biodiversity. So it was amazing yeah. to watch that transformation happen. Um, so everything from crop rotation to cover cropping, um, you know, very low till and um, and of course, using as many on-farm inputs as we can. Uh, so mm. we have a, a five-acre parcel that we do our own on-site compost program. We do wow. vermiculture with the earthworm castings. Um, and then we are just about to actually get a commercial composting machine here to speed up wow. um, some of the compostable silverware and plates and stuff that we use at our market on-site, a marketing cafe, to be able to not have to take them to another commercial composter and do it here on site in five days instead of two years like out in the field so we try to utilize as many of those natural resources that are waste to us but you know gold to the soil and just so nutrient dense so those are the main the main ones that we focus on and uh and then we're starting to involve animals now so we got our our first chickens last year so we're, wow, we're nice. getting our feet wet with starting to add some some animals into the mix. And that that's a challenge in specialty crops because of the food safety standards. And we have yeah. not talked about that on really any episodes. And I don't I don't expect you to be like purely the 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 expert on that, Ashley. But can you talk about that a little bit? Because I think most consumers, if they learn about regenerative, they learn about animal impact. But it's actually a challenge in some of those crops because of the regulation. So can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, it's, it's just a timing game, really. I think it's 120 days that you can't have any manure um, from 120 days uh, till it's harvested. So, mm. you know, it's just about timing. So if you're doing a crop rotation, you know, grazing different areas one year and then planting it the next, um, you know, or doing it pre-season or post-season. So it's all just a big timing game, you know, and, it, and it's hard mm. to get into the, the schedule. Mm -hmm. Right. And you mentioned you just got the chickens. Have you been able to incorporate that into any of these most recent schedules? Like, have they been able to fertilize and you've been able to plant on top of that? Like, and, and I guess, yeah, like, so have you seen any of the impact yet, the positive impact of having the chickens or is it still too new? I think it's still too new, uh, but we do move them around every couple of weeks. We move them. They have a little mobile coop. Uh, so it's been, I think, about 16 or 17 months that we've had them. Uh, so we move them around and, and try and... Um, and get them pooping everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> As they should, you know? 
Um, so it sounds like, you know, incredible practices on the farm, tons of biodiversity. You mentioned nutrient density earlier and like how important that is. Um, let's talk about some of these research studies, you know, so what is the Rodale Institute researching and what are they finding out of the data that's coming off of your farm? What's really cool about a lot of the research they do is is trying to figure out what is the biggest problems for farmers today, right? And then focus mm. on those problems to figure out solutions that are non-toxic and non-harmful to human health and planetary health. So a lot mm. of our studies have to do with that and um, and improving yield and quality um, and nutrient density through different methods and techniques. Um, so you know, with our hemp studies, we're, we're doing different things with, with spacing and different nutrient, uh, nitrogen applications, whether it's direct or whether it's in the soil. And so we try all these different methods and then say, Hey, okay, which one, you know, had the best yield and quality from the eight or 10 different treatments that we do. And, and we replicate them, right? You have to have it three years, three runs in a row, uh, for the white papers. So, um, so it takes a couple of years to gather the data, you know, depending on the crop mm-hmm. that we're running it on. But uh, one of the coolest things that Dr. Arash and Dr. Dinesh from Rodale are working on is uh, powdery mildew is a huge problem for indoor growing for our greenhouses. So mm-hmm. we have 380 acres out in the field, but we have 40,000 square feet of greenhouses and they're, they're wow. 35 wow. feet tall. Um, they're the ty- highest twin peak greenhouses in North America. Um, so, powdery mildew can be a problem with them, you know, whether it's for eggplants Mm -hmm. or uh, tomatoes, whatever it might be. So Dr. Arash um, and Dr. Dinesh got uh, a grant to work on a UV light treatment that would kill Mm -hmm. and prevent the powdery mildew without harming the plant, the plant cells, the taste, the yield, the quality. So that's one of the biggest ones that we're involved in right now. And it's really awesome because that's something that so many greenhouse growers have problems with. And yeah. there's a lot of chemicals used to prevent yeah. it. Um, so if we can reduce that it, by figuring out a natural way that is not harmful and doesn't compromise the plant, then it's just a win for everybody. Mm-hmm. I love that it's not chemical, right? And it's if it's a light, like you're already probably running lights in that facility. So from an energy consumption, like it's probably not going to increase that much versus we need to produce some chemical, truck it in, store it, right. you know, use it on the, the plants, et cetera. Um, and it's, yeah, it's only a few minutes of the light. It's not like they're on under there all the time. It's just a few minutes during certain uh, growth periods. Hmm. It's pretty wild. Yeah. Where Where did hemp come from? Did, did, did the, <laughs> did the farm bill that like made it more accessible? Was that just like, Hey, let's take advantage of this market opportunity. Was it a part of your healing journey? Like where did the hemp and CBD come into all this? It was part of my healing journey for sure. So I have about 30 medicine allergies. So I try to stay away from wow. a lot of the chemical based pharmaceuticals. Um, so on my journey, you know, I would take okra pills for heartburn and just go back to old plant medicine of what our hmm. grandparents used to use, you mm-hmm. know, when there wasn't these chemicals and, and made by the pharmaceutical companies. So, um, you know, I had, I had tried CBD when it first came out and back then you could only get it in Colorado, you know, and, um, mm-hmm. and I started making tinctures myself in my crock pot, in my bathtub <laughs> and straining it out and, <laughs> And it just was, it was magic for my stomach. For me, a lot of my 
symptoms and problems were nausea and vomiting, especially in the morning. Mm. It was just like I had morning sickness all the time. So um, brutal. it would just chill everything out. I mean, any of the nausea medications I would take would really have a lot of side effects for me. I would, I would have trouble seeing for a week. Like I wouldn't be able to read my phone or wow. drive. Everything was blurry. So I didn't want to wow. take any of them. And here's this plant-based tincture that I put a couple drops under my tongue and within 10, 15 minutes, I'm not sick anymore of, uh, or super nauseous and, and I actually get hungry to eat some crackers and a smoothie. Um, yeah. So, but back then there wasn't any testing, right? There really wasn't. Everybody knew it was a, the hemp plant was a great bioaccumulator, right? To clean up um, contaminants from sites and that it had that power. But you want to make sure that's not the plant that you're consuming. <laughs> you know, right, you want to make right. the the cool hemp plastic picnic table out of that hemp plant, not yeah. um, not consume it. So, I wanted to produce the cleanest and safest and highest quality hemp that I could. Uh, we've had this land for a hundred years. We know what's happened. We know the history of it. So, to be able mm. to have that clean land that was never treated and be able to grow these beautiful hemp plants and and make a hemp-based medicine um our first year we actually were under rodale's research permit it was before the actual real permits came out oh wow um so we were kind of ahead of that curve it was already in our plan before you know everybody else jumped on it that's, cool. That's really interesting. And I want to dive a little bit deeper into the hemp side. You mentioned the, I think, nanoparticles previously. Mm-hmm. Um, tell us about the development of that technology and why that's so important, having the water soluble versus, you know, non-nanoparticle CBD. Yeah. So for the tinctures, um, for example, most of the ones you guys are familiar with is a hemp extract, a crude extract, whether it's made with ethanol or CO2 extraction, and then it's mixed with some kind of oil. MCT oil, olive oil. Well, those can take, you know, 45 minutes to an hour for you to digest and it to get into your bloodstream. Um, Mm. So, you know, if you're nauseous like me, I don't really have an hour to wait. Mm. And, um, Mm -hmm. and then you don't really know what dosage you're getting, right? What are you actually absorbing from that? What is your stomach acid killing off? Uh, what's your metabolism like that day? What did you eat that day? All of those then come into play of how much am I actually absorbing of this? Right. Now, the nanoparticle technology, it's wild. It's not new technology by any means. It's been used in the nutraceutical uh, world and the vaccine industry for, for decades. Um, hasn't really been utilized too much in cannabis. It's it's expensive. It's it's hard to do. And mm-hmm. as far as the or- organic side of it, many that you see out there are not organic. There's a lot of emulsifiers mm-hmm. and um, chemicals that are added to it, like polysorbates and things like that. That I just you know don't want in my body. So mm-hmm. um, my husband happens to know everybody and introduced me to an old friend of his out in Oregon that <laughs> made an organic nanoparticle. And uh, so we linked up with him and, and collaborated wow. with him and, and got the ball rolling on it. And the moment I started taking it with my stomach, I'm like, this is, this is our future of what I want to be producing. Um, wow. So we actually discontinued like our MCT oil 
tincture because we were selling so many more of the the nanoparticle ones so mm-hmm. um yeah we we have organic certification on it we got that last year we have that lab on site so we make different nanoparticle milks which is what goes into the tinctures and then we do a, a an infused sugar that goes into the bath bombs and then the monk fruit sugar that can be added to any food or drink um and monk fruit just has the lowest glycemic index so that's why we chose that but water soluble is it can be added to any food or drink now people add the oils to their drinks and coffee and stuff but it's going to be a blob on top you know it's never going to mm. mix in but with right. the the nano it mixes right into any food or drink um so mm. you know if grandma has alzheimer's and doesn't like the taste of a tincture you can mix it into her tea or whatever it might be so i think a lot of people um you need creative ways of consumption you know some people don't like tinctures some people don't like edibles so to be able to have a diverse but everybody kind of likes offering, marshmallows you know so <laughs> i think everybody does <laughs> like marshmallows so you got to get the marshmallow <laughs> game rolling well yeah. and i think that you've got what brownies pancakes and a few other like you know very common who doesn't not yeah. who who doesn't not like those foods right uh, that you sell on the website And we have the bake at home pancakes and brownies, which we figured out a way to do a high heat withstanding dry powder ingredient to be able to add to those where people can bake them at home. So maybe you had too many margaritas on a Saturday night. You can have some CBD pancakes Sunday morning to (laughs) to calm your stomach down. So we we talked a bit about from time to time. (laughs) (laughs) Anthony's going to be the number one, you know, pancake fire. Um, But, so we've talked a little bit about, about some of the benefits of CBD, and I'd like to kind of like hone in on this a little bit. Anthony mentioned he slept great. You know, you've mentioned anti-nausea a couple of times. CBD to me is one of those like compounds that seems to do a little bit of everything. Um, mm-hmm. Let's dive in a little bit more and tell us like what are the benefits of CBD and why do you feel like it's such an important additive to these foods and how do you think it can help people the most? I think it's, an, it's just an amazing plant and people are astonished by all the versatile uses, right? Of how it can help so many people with different issues. And it's, you know, we have these, this endocannabinoid system in our body. We have these receptors. Um, and it was always part of our diets for centuries, right? The animals would eat hemp. We'd eat the animals. It was just part of our diets. And then for 70 years, here's this molecule that's been lacking of our of our body systems and then people take it for the first time they're like oh my god this is amazing no it's like meant to be in your body you know and yeah. it and it i always describe it as it just kind of it regulates all of your body systems right so whether it, it's it's reducing inflammation and that you know has a million ripple effects of what inflammation does mm-hmm. to people's bodies uh mm-hmm. whether it helps you know me with my nausea or people with anxiety just being able to relax and 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 uh without taking a pharmaceutical or alcohol or whatever to relax um so my main mission was to you know if i could replace one one pill that somebody's taking a day with cbd at least that's that's a win to just use more of a safe plant-based option and i think Mm -hmm. that the people that say well cbd didn't work for me i think they unfortunately maybe just got a bad quality product you know there's a Mm -hmm. lot of bad yeah. quality products and and lately you know they've been kind of disappearing and and more um good quality 
CBD brands are, are, you know, still standing and, and well represented and doing the right things, growing things the right way and manufacturing the right way. But I think just finding a high quality, you know, uh, CBD product can help so many people with different things. I mean, anything mm-hmm. from putting topicals on neuropathy on your feet to bug bites and burns. I mean, it's just amazing. I don't, I have horrible hand eczema, uh, in the winter times, my hands bleed. I, ever since I started using CBD wow. cream, it's completely gone, like not even existing anymore. Wow, wow. So I think it's so versatile and just I can't wait to see it just in a multivitamin. I feel like everybody should just be taking Mm. it every day and have it in Mm. your body system because you have that endocannabinoid system that produces it on its own. Sometimes you just have to prime the pump and get it to Mm kind of wake up a little bit. Mm -hmm. That's super interesting. You know, I I am one of those people who my first experience with CBD tincture or I I think I tried a tincture and a rub after a knee surgery and neither seemed to do anything for me. And maybe, you know, I'm one of those who just had a bad batch. Um, and mm-hmm. I'm really, you know, I know a lot of people, my my mom had breast cancer um, and had really bad neuropathy in her hands because of the chemo treatments. And she said like a CBD tincture was the only thing that could provide her any sort of mm-hmm. relief. Um, so I, I, I'm, there's all sorts of different spectrums, right? And, you know, mm-hmm. the industry I work in bone broth, like highly, highly regulated when compared to the hemp industry, but there's still, even though we're super regulated, there are a lot of bone broth companies who don't even put real bones in their product. You know, so to me, like, mm. and that's well regulated when I think about hemp, like, and the potential for people to make claims that are not substantiated and using low quality, either products or manufacturing practices or who knows what else, like the variability mm. of people's experiences must be all over the place. So curious to get your take on, you mentioned that there are, more high quality products coming out. You're like, what does the regulation look like today? How are people substantiating claims? Are there any third party certifiers out there to say this is legit? This is not legit. What's that landscape look like? Yeah, I think certifications are definitely great. You know, we have USDA or certified organic. We are the first regenerative organic certified hemp in the world. Uh, we also have a real organic project that we're certified with. But I think the biggest reason I think of why the cream's kind of rising to the top is just the reduction in hemp acreage. So the first mm-hmm. year, 2019, mm-hmm. the first planting mm-hmm. year after the farm bill came out, we're to this year, we're down 80% in CBD hemp acreage wow. planted. Yeah. A lot of, so of get rich quick people, schemes that didn't go well. <laughs> and so many farmers just with barns full of, of biomass. Yeah. It's, you know, it's really yeah. sad. Everybody went too big without having the supply chain set up, you know? And, and mm. um, so I think that's why you see now the, the, the high quality and the really good brands, you know, are still standing mm-hmm. and doing really well. And some of the weird gas station kind of ones are, are dwindling <laughs> off a little bit, you know? Um, so right. I think it's all about, people picking a high quality version, you know, and, and knowing mm-hmm. about the farm, there's so many CBD companies that don't even know the name of the farm that their, their extract yeah. comes from. They might just order, you know, a jar of extract and make their products from that. They don't know what the land looked like. How was it handled? You know, how was it stored? So many important things. And mm-hmm. when I saw how the industry kind of was with that, that made it so much more important to me to become vertically integrated. So mm-hmm. as much as that we can do on site, we do on site ourselves so that we have that really 
clear chain of custody with our product, knowing that mm-hmm. we're going to offer a consistent product, you know, to our consumers and, and, and we're purists. I'm a purist. I'm not doing any kind of crazy isolates or anything like that. I believe in mm-hmm. the full plant, the power of the entire plant. Um, mm-hmm. And I feel like ethanol extraction is, is the best for it. Um, I think it's like hemp moonshine and, uh, and the alcohol really <laughs> sucks out all those great medicinal properties throughout the whole plant and, and then being able to mix that in different forms for people. How, how vertically integrated are you actually are, is every finished product that y'all sell with CBD in it, you produce all the way in house or you do like the nanoparticle ingredient and then you produce like the main ingredient, like the main finished products with that ingredient somewhere else. Like what, what does that actually look like? So we grow it, we dry it. The only thing that we don't do on site is the ethanol extraction because you need explosion proof room for that. So we have a great, uh, yeah. Which, the greenhouse probably doesn't yeah. satisfy let, that need. Let someone else do that. So right. we, we outsource that. So we bring a thousand pounds at a time to a third party organic processor in New York. Uh, he's about 80 miles away from us. Um, mm. And so we bring a thousand pounds at a time up to him. We just drive it up and then we pick up the, the crude oil and bring it back here and wow. make all of our products from that. So, um, and then we have a formulation lab. We have our R and D lab. So every, all the recipes are, are made here and tested, packaged and shipped out all from here. So the extraction's the wow. only part that we don't do, but we do have the nanoparticle lab on site that is here in our, in our facility. So that happens Incredible. after you get it back from the, the person in New York, you nanoparticleize mm-hmm. it or whatever the right term is, and then it goes <laughs> yep. into the finished goods. Okay. Yep. Very absolutely. Cool. Very cool. So tell us a little bit more about like the brand store. We've talked a lot about, you know, the CBD products, yeah. how your products are different. How are you communicating that story effectively to consumers? And, you know, what does it look like from a retail distribution perspective today? We, you know, based on my understanding of the hip industry, it's still kind of the wild, wild west. There are some retailers who might be okay with some CBD claims, some of them who don't want to touch it at all. You know, tell yeah. us, like, how are you navigating those waters? And the, the retail side is definitely hard. You know, you have to definitely be very careful with claims for sure. Um, but a lot of the big box stores are staying away from ingestibles and just using topicals until the mm. FDA, well, they're all hoping for the FDA to make some, you know, guidelines for that. But that's been delayed, of course, yet again. Um, so a lot of big, you know, big box stores are staying away from ingestibles and just focusing mm. on the, the topicals. Um, and then, of course, you know, you have Amazon and social media where all kinds of CBD triggers, algorithms, you know, block you and you, and you can't get out there. So going direct to consumer is difficult and the retailer space is, is difficult as well, but going with those smaller, you know, smaller mom and pop stores, uh, I feel like CBD could be in 90% of main street USA stores, you know, whether it's a, mm. a bicycle shop to a surf shop, to a spa, to the natural grocer. Mm-hmm. I mean, so many places are relevant to buy your CBD products. So I think mm-hmm. that's, you know, interesting with the, the products itself that they're so versatile and where they can be sold and also selling, you know, to different juice companies and smoothie shops and cafes for them, bakeries, all of that for them to make their, to infuse in their own products as well mm-hmm. as a whole nother side of it. That's, um, that's a lot of fun as well. So 
but education is the key. That is the key to hemp. That is the key to regenerative organic agriculture, you know, teaching people. And how can you teach people without preaching to them is by giving them experiences. Mm. So Mm. our farm here is a 70,000 square foot facility. We are open to the public. We have a cafe run by a chop champion chef, Chef Lindsay McLean, who's unbelievable and everything that she makes. It's a scratch kitchen. Everything is amazing. Everything is organic or regenerative organic that she makes and everything uh, that we sell at the market as well. And we have a zero waste policy. So anything that's a number two or bruised or ugly, she'll turn into jams and salsas and value added Mm. products that we sell here at our market. And then the rest would go into our compost. So being able to bring people in to the cafe, to the market, we have a a classroom. So she'll do cooking classes for kids and adults. We have a clean clean food, dirty hands program was like the one that was near and dear to my heart. So for kids to teach them how to plant, how to harvest, how to tend after, you know, tend for the plants and weed and, and then all the way through harvest and then learning how to prepare the food with chef Lindsay. So we have these programs weekly here uh, for the kids, different crafts, different activities, but teaching them at an early age. So they don't have to wait until they have a diagnosis like us, right. To make changes Mm -hmm. to their life. When do people finally make a change? Either you get pregnant and you read in the book, don't eat pesticides, or you get a mm. prevent, you get a diagnosis and then they say, don't eat pesticides. Well, like, why are yeah. we doing that to be preventative? Like, what's wrong mm-hmm. with this? So mm-hmm. trying to give people experiences where they can taste the best Mexican street corn they've ever had or the best tomato because it's, number one, fresh. It's not been sitting on a truck for days and days and at a distribution center. It was probably harvested the day before they're actually eating it. The shelf life is longer for our consumers to bring home then. Mm. And it has more nutrients, right? I mean, all these uh, research studies are finally coming out now showing that regenerative organic agriculture is producing more nutrient-dense food than conventional, which is awesome, which is awesome. Mm. It's Mm. great for all of us. And we're taking care of the soil and sequestering carbon all at the same time. So um, it's just really a a win-win for everybody. So between our our classes that we have on site and our crazy events we do, I mean, we have the Funny Farm Comedy Show in the summers where we have some New York uh, comedian friends that come out and do some comedy shows and and weddings and corporate events and team building and yoga retreats and compost classes. I mean, everything that we can think of, we just we just do <laughs> we schedule yeah. it we do it uh we have an on-site uh herbalist now so she's planning a whole bunch of classes to do one class a month and and um wow so just fun things like this and and as our staff comes to us with ideas you know we encourage them to send us ideas to the think tank email of ideas for innovation for classes for blogs you know that they might want to see or things that might interest them so really trying to get everybody engaged with what their passions are and then when people come in and visit us that passion they see that passion and it can be contagious and we want them to be inspired to make a change in Mm -hmm. their corner of the world like this is what we're doing in our town to try and make it better for the world and better for our community. And we hope other people can, whether it's just 
doing a one plant in their windowsill in a New York City apartment, yeah. you know, whatever it might be, to encourage them to get back in touch with nature and and to get their hands dirty and see the process and feel the process and taste the difference. And it, it makes a big it makes a big difference in people's lives, giving them these emotional souvenirs we call them right where you can't really mm. preach at people you get a much better response by giving them an experience that they will remember mm. and have that emotional souvenir i super appreciate everything you just said want to add one piece yeah. when you talk about all the data coming out there's also so much data to prove that regenerative food actually tastes better as well which is fantastic mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. the picture you just painted of the pocono organic experience makes me feel like i need to take a regenerative <laughs> pilgrimage to this <laughs> holy <laughs> land <laughs> yeah well I was, I was just thinking man, i'm gonna be in philly for expo east like how far is the farm from philly can i swing it i don't know yes. um yes but yeah, no, I, I, I want to call on, you know, my, my personal experience with growing food, you know, I, I'm not a plant person. I'm not good at taking care of plants. Um, <laughs> Heather and I, my fiance, we just put yeah. four eight by two raised garden beds in our backyard this year. And I have seen the return of all sorts of life to the area. There are more birds, there are insects, there are predator insects. There is just so much life there. And the, the level of mm -hmm. satisfaction I get out of, you know, if I'm having, a bowl for lunch, you know, like a taco style bowl and pulling fresh romaine out of my garden and knowing that that was like a growing food 30 minutes before I consumed it, like the level mm -hmm. of satisfaction and knowing that, you know, how it was grown, the the level of care that went into it, the lack of pesticides on it, it's just incredible. So the, yeah. the fact that you get to share that experience with so many people and teach mm -hmm. them about that power and that impact is incredible. Um, and I think if we can get more people involved in the process of like where food actually comes from to your point that's going to do a ton from an educational perspective and empower people to better understand like the impact they can make for the planet for their own bodies for the food system mm -hmm. etc um so just really really appreciate 100%. everything you just shared that was super super cool and really how far is the farm from philly hour and a half and we're having a big dinner on tuesday night for roc all the brands and really? farms that come together so i'll send you the info okay. on it I'm just, yeah, yeah, I'm gonna see yeah. if I can get there. That'd be that'd be incredible. And we have a hotel next door uh, with one and two bedroom apartments, so we do a lot of agritourism. So when we have yoga retreats or corporate events, they all stay at the hotel and just walk right over here to the farm. Kyle's ass, Kyle's ass is sleeping on a cot in the greenhouse. He's not <laughs> sleeping in a hotel, Ashley. I'll sleep on a stack of hay in the barn, man. Whatever works. <laughs> <laughs> I I want to clarify one thing for myself and the audience, Ashley, which is. There's all this amazing agritourism, local regional food system work, the, the more the fresh produce kind of commodity work. And then there's the CBD line, which is desiring to be a regional and or a national kind of CBG brand. And mm -hmm. my assumption is there's probably things in the product innovation pipeline that are also coming down that, that pipeline. I'm looking at my other screen at this shooby water sparkling <laughs> CBD infused drink, uh, which makes me think of Wooderson from Days of Confused. Um, but <laughs> is that the aspiration on the on the CBD side to be kind of a prominent national, um, really, I would say, standard bearer for regenerative organic in hemp and CBD? And what's coming like, you know, from a product perspective, you guys are already doing a ton, but just curious there. Absolutely. So I like I like figuring out new ways for consumption. I'm not good with edibles because I have delayed digestion with my stomach. So 
Mm. My edible won't hit me for four hours and that doesn't help me. Wow. So that's why I like the nanoparticle because it's a very fast reaction. Um, so putting it into the seltzer. So we did that collaboration with the other half brewery. They're uh, a famous mm. microbrewery out of New York and they have locations all up and down the East coast. And we, we know one of the founders. So we've been working on this collaboration for about a year and got it all dialed in. So we started on small scale with their best selling all citrus seltzer. Of course we didn't put the alcohol in and we put the CBD in yeah. instead. And it was kind of, we did a small run. We're like, okay, let's see how it sells. If people like it and if it goes well, then we'll, we'll do a big run and, and go more regional and, and hopefully national with it. So it's been wonderful. Everybody loves it. I'm loving let's it. Go. Uh, you know, when I'm feeding my son dinner, I'm having one of those to relax and, and not having a glass of wine. I'm just having the CBD yeah. infused seltzer and it's, it's beautiful color and refreshing. So trying yeah. to come up with those new ways of consumption and like the marshmallow, I can suck on that and I'm going to absorb it right <laughs> away and it doesn't really have to yeah. be digested. So just yeah. thinking of different things out there, um, but we're, we're crazy here. We're always experimenting with all <laughs> kinds of ideas. Sometimes I think my staff loves me. Sometimes they hate me. But we have a lot of fun, you know, being vertically integrated and not being at the mercy of a co-packer. You know, if you go to a co-packer, mm, yeah. oh, it's a minimum of 10,000 units. We're like, we don't even know if anybody's going to like this marshmallow, right? And mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. here, the beauty of it is trying something we want to do, selling it in the market, see how everybody likes it, and then we go to the next steps if it passes all those all those tests so there's lots of stuff in the r&d pipeline we've just uh expanded our pet collection and that is uh going to be a couple more products coming out with that and um and a lot more edible infusions um these gourmet infused butters oh mm. my god there's like a garlic and herb one um so put it on bread like garlic bread or i throw some of my uh fettuccine alfredo is so good and then like wow. a, a sugar and cinnamon one for toast so just uh oh, all these i'm yeah. starving right now <laughs> i am i was just gonna say if anybody that started this podcast not feeling hungry they're certainly feeling hungry now no doubt so you were saying about like bonfires and stuff. So when we go to different events, we, you know, we're selling these things. We bring a chef, we bring a flat top, we make the different toasts with the butters on top. Mm. And then we have a bonfire pit for people to make s'mores, uh, just mm. to sample some of the new, new things that we're coming out with. Pocono knows how to party. You know, you guys speak my language. I'm not, I'm not about, you know, the alcohol party life. I'm more about like, how can I get some really awesome food yeah. in me? And this feels like yeah. you're speaking my language. Um, this yeah. is kind of a sidebar. Anthony hates it when I do this. Um, but you mentioned you, you guys are that? crazy. He always says that. <laughs> I don't, for the record, for, for, the, for the regular listeners. Um, you mentioned you're all, you're all crazy. You like to try to do different things. What are some of the wackiest ideas you've tried from like a, a product R&D perspective? And, and they, they could be things that like fell flat yeah. on their face. Like that was a terrible idea. But I'm just curious, like what have you tried? <laughs> well, the one that is coming to fruition, there's two that are coming to fruition in the next few months. They're in their final uh, R&D stages. But we uh, linked up with a textile company that does a lot of military contracts and particularly socks. And we made a CBD infused sock um, to help people with neuropathy. This is not at all the route I thought you were going to be going. And my mind is blown. We're so, so CBD infused so right sock. Now. 
So when I talk about coming up with different ways of consumption, like that to me is another form of consumption. You're putting a sock on and absorbing it through does your skin. It, does it like it lose the CBD after a couple wears? Like what happens when you wash it? Like right. I have so many so, questions. It's a one-time use so, sock. <laughs> so there's an amazing uh, Harvard and MIT scientist that has been working with us on this and he's actually encapsulated it. So it's slow release. Uh, it's in wash testing right now, but it looks like it's going to last 30 washes. But with like the prototype wow, wow. I got, I didn't, I don't really wash it that often. You know, like I'm wearing it at home after I take a yeah, shower yeah. and I'm like lounging. I have my slippers on. I'm not <laughs> running a marathon with the yeah, bond, right. you know? You um, might want to though. Them. Yeah. Somebody <laughs> might want to. <laughs> Interesting. So um, it's been unbelievable. We've given a lot of prototypes out uh, to various people. A friend of ours that lost his leg, uh, mm. amputees to people with neuropathy from diabetes and other things. So um, it's been a really great response. We've done an academic review of it with Jefferson University that we're hoping will turn into a clinical trial. Um, but uh yeah we're gonna be going into production on them very soon very soon once the wash testing is is officially complete and we're starting with the socks but then we're gonna do gloves and like ace bandage material as well Mm -hmm. and uh i I couldn't believe they work as well as they do i mean 15 20 minutes after wearing it it's crazy how much um better you feel i'd show them to you right now but i gave them to my best friend's mom for her neuropathy on her feet so (laughs) they're, they're helping her but you know they're not going to be that expensive. They're they're going to be very reasonable. I like to make CBD accessible to everybody. I don't think that it should be crazy priced by any means. I think it should be part of people's lives. So yeah. you know, uh, it will be inexpensive enough that after your thirty washes, hey, you just have a really nice pair of socks. You know, mm-hmm. that's I so need- cool. And you know, <laughs> easy going. <laughs> I'm picturing myself in a custom size CBD infused bodysuit for recovery. And I need that so bad. That might be the greatest Reject Brands content of all time. Get CBD that. snuggy. Yes. I love it. Oh man. That's uh, but, but, funny. Real talk, you know, for for you know, I've I've been through chemo and I mm. I understand how difficult neuropathy can be. And mm. and for those who aren't super familiar with neuropathy, what that feels yeah. like. Um, it, you, you have hypersensitivity to cold in particular, at least was my experience to the point where I'd have to keep gloves on my fridge. If I was going to reach in and grab something cold, it feels like an electric shock. So wow. I can only imagine the Jeez. amount of potential help this can have for people in that situation, you know, and, and the socks too, it, it yeah. tends to be hand and feet, or at least for me and yeah. most of the people I know who have been through that. So, yeah. I mean, what started to me as like a hilarious, this is like just a funny product innovation is really like, Mm. this could be life changing for people who are going through these sorts of, you know, treatments for years on end, you know, so I I am super pumped and hope that they can get access to these things sooner rather than later. Yeah. And there's not many options for people like when you were going through that, and I've had family members going through that, there's not many options of, hey, doc, what should I do about this? There's not a lot of solutions. So at least this mm-hmm. is a non-toxic, plant-based answer. Totally. Yeah, and the you solutions know? they want to give you is, hey, take another pill. And it's like, man, that's mm-hmm. the last thing I want to do at this time. I used to go to bed. I'd put lotion on my hands, like a, like a, I think it was badger hand balm with cotton mm-hmm. gloves, just so my hands would be mm-hmm. somewhat recovered by the next morning. 
you know, mm-hmm. so to have an option like this, like it, it can truly be life changing for people in that situation. So I'm just mm-hmm. super psyched about that type of innovation. Um, and again, what, what I asked is like sort of a joke of a question, really. <laughs> uh, like mm-hmm. it really feels like something that is super, super <laughs> empowering for those people. So I'm, I'm just psyched about the innovation you're, yeah. you're doing there. And, and originally I was really curious, like, why would the military be interested in this? But based <laughs> on your answer, it sounds like more for the amputee and people with like serious injuries. Is, is that yeah. correct? Yeah, the VA. That's definitely part of it. So I definitely want to, you know, take care of, of people like our farm workers that are on their feet all day and Chef Lindsay who's on her feet all day and people that mm. are just having everyday pain. But my grandpa had diabetes and, you know, had toes cut off and had that wow. neuropathy yeah. in his feet. And, and we all know people that have had it, right? So to be able to give them a relief, but then also a very good friend of ours, you know, is an amputee and I send him everything to test with him and his yeah. girlfriend um, and get feedback on them, you know? And, and so I, we've definitely been exploring the amputee route, you know, whether it's veterans, whether it's people with health conditions, whatever it might be, um, you know, as a liner, as a sock before they put on their, their prosthetic limbs. Um, it's become helpful with some of them with phantom limb pain and reducing some of the nerve pain and the everyday stuff and just like friction and irritation that they get from, you know, their different, um, uh, prosthetics that they utilize. So to be able to help them and to, to help the vets too, you know, Mm. that, have given so much to us. We have a veteran training program here with Rodale. Rodale started it years ago, uh, where it was wow. a four month program where vets will go live at Rodale for four months and, and learn how to farm and take that back to their communities. But we expanded that program here. So that was our first building that was done was a five bedroom veteran house. Um, wow. So after they're done at Rodale, they come here for eight more months. They have a full year. They learn indoor and wow. outdoor um, and they can stay with us or they can, you know, go on and open their own farms or, or, or do whatever they like. So we have a couple veterans that are still here uh, living at That's the really house cool. and, one of them developed our mushroom program is something he was really passionate about and, and developed the mushroom program that we do. So, um, so the vets and the kids are definitely sweet and dear to our heart. And we want to make sure that we give back as much as we can. Mm. Man, Ashley, is there anything you're not doing? It sounds like you've got programs <laughs> for like sleeping, yeah, not I, sleeping too yeah, much. Yeah, yeah, crazy. Just, just super cool. The level of passion, and enthusiasm, and who yeah. you're choosing to share this with. I mean, it sounds like you really want to share this with everybody. But there are particular demographics you're focusing on. I think that's really admirable work that you're doing. Um, I do kind of want to. And I, and I think we already. Oh, hold go ahead, on, AC. hold on. I, I have a, I have a question right off that specific demographic. That's just a curiosity. The racetrack, the raceway. When I think of mm. the NASCAR demographic and regenerative organic CBD products or just regenerative organic, that seems like a small sliver of an overlapping Venn diagram. Are you selling any of the products at the racetrack? And if so, how has that been if, if, if you have? So, so it's a really unique situation, right? So talking about educating people through experiences and emotional souvenirs. So that's what we use the racetrack for, right? to amplify our message to a greater audience. I mean, we have 250,000 people that come through our doors every year to the race shack. And now this is our NASCAR race weekend. So people are coming in in campers today and staying till Monday. That's five days that they're camping for. 
Like how many corn dogs and hot dogs can you really eat in that time? Mm. So you'd be amazed Mm. of the setups that people have at their campsites of things that they're cooking. So we have come up with a solution for every single guest that we have on site. So we, if you're camping in the infield, we have a stationary farmer's market out there where the concert stages that's open all day and night. And then we have a roaming farmer's market. We got a a beverage cart from a golf course. Sorry, sorry. (laughs) Hold on. Did you say all day and all night? This is a 24 seven regenerative market in the middle of a NASCAR infield. Till like 11 o'clock at night when the concert is winding oh my down. Gosh, this is that wild. is awesome. That so is we awesome. sell veggies, we sell shuby water, we sell the marshmallows, we sell CBD products, everything um, from those really cool. two locations. And a lot of people won't leave their campsite. So that's why we have the little roaming, uh, mm. roaming farmer's market. But then we also have it in our concession stands. And then we mm. have a regenerative organic corporate sweet menu so like all the corporate suites that come in get catering so last year we've had the same caterer family caterer for 40 years and he just retired uh last year so chef Lindsay and the poker organics team has taken over all of the cooking wow Wow. so we're talking like big yeah that's big that's a lot we got like 80,000 people to feed this weekend you know wow crazy I mean, I, I'm so, not, I, I love sports, and I've never thought that I want to be in the suite at a NASCAR event before, but suddenly <laughs> that has become a priority of mine because I feel like that menu mm-hmm. experience and just the quality of food for a sporting event, that mm-hmm. is like, you know, yeah. incomparable to just about every, every other option out there. So, mm-hmm. so at least there's experience. options for people, you know, like there's still your corn dogs and, you know, your regular yeah. sports food. But there's also options, you know, if you want fresh organic food. Um, And, you know, it's actually not as crazy as a mixture as people think, because Mm. 76% of NASCAR fans think they can do something to give back to the environment and want to support brands that do. 76%. Okay, so you have have farmers that are fans. You You have fishermen, you have hunters, you have gardeners. You have all kinds mm-hmm. of people and they care mm-hmm. about the environment. Unfortunately, yes, the racing is not great for the environment, but my dream, and like I said, I'm crazy about things, but maybe one day these cars will be running on hemp fuel and mm-hmm. it'll be a whole different scenario. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, um, so that's, you that's- know, we're, we're, we're using it to promote a, a message of good and, and, and trying to get people to experience it and incorporate it into their lives in some way. Yeah, that's that's super cool. I, so I got two things. The, the personal connections are are uncanny today. So Bobby and Donnie Allison are actually like my distant relatives. So that's my NASCAR connection. And um, I'm officially volunteering for the race next year to drive the mobile farm uh, the mobile farm stand. I want. I need the Pocono Organics polo, the hat. I need to be outfitted. I want to be driving that thing, and I want to set record sales numbers for the weekend. I think I, I think it. we turned that into a, a Regen podcast episode. I mean, count me in. Three yes. camera. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Right on. Well, I, I know we've already talked quite a bit about future innovation. Um, we talked about the future of NASCAR running on hemp fuel. Um, <laughs> you know, is there anything else that we haven't touched on that is like coming down the pike for Pocono Organics? Whether that be like product innovation, whether that be like, is the size of the farm going to change any point in time? Are you planning to, to get more acreage? Like. What, what does the future hold that we haven't already touched on? 
Mm. Um, so there is one more product innovation that I'll, I'll tell you here in a minute, but it's for the, the future plan. So, you know, we only grow right now maybe a third of our acreage and the rest is cover crop because we're a new farm. We're five years in. We're still a startup, so we're scaling up and, and having to get equipment for every kind of uh, crop mm. is hard being a diverse mm. farm. So yes. I, I will yeah. be scaling up our acreage, you know, as we go here, little by little. Um, but a majority of our acreage, hopefully one day will be hemp fiber production. And I really mm. want to put a hemp um, fiber processing facility on site. So we've been really working hard and collaborating with different groups to be able to make that happen on our land and, and grow the hemp here and process it here to then make it into herd that can go to construction materials and bioplastics and and paper and then the, the fiber the outside goes to the textile industry and then the biochar which is kind of the waste left over can be used for farmers a great input for the land so um that's the the grand plan down the line is to uh to be doing the, the hemp fiber processing and and all the things that come with that but in the meantime um so my husband was a pro surfer for 25 years we've we've been wow. to we've we've been to bali we've been a lot of places with the plastic crisis in the water and i think yeah. people don't really realize mm. um that it's serious and that it's coming for us and what it's like in some other countries and and what yeah. our future holds with our plastic consumption and and the disposal of it and I, I forget who came out with the the saying, but there's supposed to be more plastic than fish in the ocean by 2050. Some there was that, right. uh, was that stat from somewhere, but I'm sure with COVID and all the single use, I'm sure that's going to be sooner than 2050. So, mm-hmm. um, so we've been working with Jefferson University. We had a Pennsylvania Manufacturing Innovation Grant with them to make a hemp bioplastic that's compostable. So cool. we we have finally are like a month away from the first prototypes being made. So we've been they've been mixing it with different polymers and figuring out the right mixture um, and density and use for different applications. So the two that we're going for first is I wanted to focus on things for food service, whether it's something that we can use on farm or at the market and cafe. So the first things that'll be coming down the line is a hemp plastic cup and a bowl um and if it goes well then we'll we'll put those manufacturing capabilities on site with the processing plant uh for the hemp so it would be grown here processed here and products made here um all vertically integrated with like no carbon footprint of transportation anywhere Incredible. um and then we already have a market for the cups and bowls being able to use it in our cafe and um, and then at the racetrack as well. So imagine, you know, every cup of mm. beer, or soda or water that's sold um, over a weekend uses our cup. But that's also why we got the commercial composting machine, because then mm-hmm. once those cups get disposed of in the proper uh, receptacle, right, because there's so much um, compostable products that just they don't break down very easily. Like they are plant-based and stuff, but some of them just don't break down easily. So to be able to uh, have a commercial composting facility on site and bring that waste right back over here to then make compost that's going to go back on the field to grow more hemp. It's just this awesome closed loop solving problems that we have and trying to be, you know, as sustainable as we can in new and different ways. 
Mm, totally. And I'm, I'm struck by, yeah. I can't help but think of Amazon when you talk about this. And Amazon typically gets a bad rep. But from a business strategic perspective, they have this mantra, like, be your own best customer. And it really yep. feels like that's sort of what Pocono is embodying because of its unique position and relationship with the racetrack. And it's really great to see, like, it's so hard to do regen. And I feel like it's so often like the regenerative founders and entrepreneurs are in such a disadvantaged position, generally speaking, just because of the way mm. our economic system works and the and the, the mm. lack of education around that type of food. It's really cool to see that the position you're in and the fact that you're taking full advantage of it in the best way possible to make the best possible impact for, you know, planet, people, food, etc. So just really, mm. really psyched to hear all the stuff that you've got coming down the pipeline. Good for you. Good for Pocono mm. Organics. Just just <laughs> a really you. great Good story. For the world. Yeah. We've done a lot in five years, so we'll we'll keep yeah. on trucking. That's that's incredible. incredible. And we're looking forward to episode two going even deeper on the bioplastics <laughs> front when you have more to share there and all, all the other things. Um, but to, to take us home, Ashley, the final question that we asked everybody is how do we get regen brands to have 50% market share by 2050? What do we need to do? We definitely need more farmers to get on board. I think mm. the amount of calls I get every week from different ROC brands that are looking for ingredients is is crazy. So we definitely mm. need to get as many farms on board, you know, whether the, and I think that really helped with like the USDA certified organic program, right? When they started doing cost share, um, cost share programs mm. for the certification and teaching people about the paperwork and, and making them not scared of it. I think a lot of farmers mm. are intimidated by the paperwork. So, uh, you know, we try to be a resource to help them through that. Anybody um, that needs help. And that's part of what we do with the regional resource center as well with Rodale is just trying to educate the farmer too that, Hey, this isn't as hard as, you know, you think it mm. is to, to complete. And I think the industry is really coming along every year at expo and um more and more people coming together for collaborations because mm. we is greater than me you know and and the more of Amen. us going you know together to push this movement forward um is better and i and i think we're gonna get there you know look at usda certified organic it was slow in the beginning right but then it gains, it gains speed. And I think with the more research and all these climate smart grants and the research that's being done of the yeah. carbon sequestering abilities of the hemp plant and regenerative agriculture, um, yeah. I think it's just going to inspire more investors and family offices and companies to invest in, um, mm. you know, companies like ours and to, to get their ingredients from people that are doing things right and treating the environment mm. right. Um, so I think, I think we're going to get there. Mm. Love it. No doubt. We're going to try. That's Amen. right. And it's because of the work you guys do. I mean, you guys are so great of sharing everybody's stories and, and connecting so many people that you guys are educating, you know, with every, every show that you do. And that's what we need more people out there talking mm. and, and educating. We're all teachers at this point. Yeah. We appreciate that. Y'all are doing the real work and the hard work. Uh, we are just the people that get to be a megaphone for it. Um, but yeah, it's, it's fun and we appreciate it. Yeah, I need the marshmallows. Um, Ashley, this was, this was phenomenal. This was so fun and informative. Thank you so much for uh, making the time during this really, really busy season for y'all and just you personally. Really appreciate it. 
No, thanks so much to you guys. I really appreciate you having me on and look forward to seeing you guys when you come out to visit. Yeah, no doubt. Absolutely. Looking forward to that trip so much. Thanks, Ashley. Thanks, you guys. For show notes, episode transcripts, and more information on our guests and what we discuss on the show, check out our website, regen-brands.com. That is regen-brands.com. You can also find our Regen Recaps on the website. Regen Recaps take less than five minutes to read and cover all the key points of the full hour-long conversations. You can check out our YouTube channel, Regen Brands Podcast, for all of our episodes with both video and audio. The best way to support our work is to give us a five-star rating on your favorite podcast platform, subscribe to future episodes, and share the show with your friends. Thanks for tuning in to the Regen Brands Podcast, brought to you by the Regen Coalition and Outlaw Ventures. We hope you learned something new in this episode, and it empowers you to use your voice, your time, and your dollars to help us build a better and more regenerative food system. Love you guys.